the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back Thursday, March 10th, 2022, as we head into hour three of our daily three-hour tour. It's a privilege. It's really an honor to welcome uh, a new guest to this show, uh, one, uh, a person with one of the most interesting biographies I've, I have seen, and uh, it is to my detriment and deficit that I am only just beginning to understand the whole complement, the whole catalog of his work and effort. His name is Nuri. Turkel. He is a senior fellow at the Hudson Institute, among other things. I'm going to let him tell you a little bit of his story. And um, it is a callback to some of my monologue today, uh, speaking about what I was talking about in the Xinjiang province of China, the Uyghurs. Uh, Mr. Turkel, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me on. You betcha. Uh, we have some time here, so no need to rush this if, if you don't want to. But First-time guest, tell the audience about yourself and feel free to spare no detail. From what I have read up on you, fascinating life, not one you would have chosen, but fascinating nonetheless, and you're doing great things with it. Feel free to talk to the audience about how you grew up and how you came to be doing what you're doing, sir. Well, thank you very much. I I recently uh, completed um, a memoir uh, documenting my life both in communist China here in the United States um, and also, I wrote that book uh, to explain that uh, what has happened to the Uyghur people on World's Watch is not something new. This has been an ongoing repression. And also, um, I uh, chose a title called No Escape uh, to illustrate that even though I came here uh, uh, as a student initially, granted asylum, uh put myself to law school, grad school, and establish a professional uh, life here in D.C., I still uh, have to be mindful about potential uh, uh, you know, uh, retaliation yes, sir. against me from the uh, Chinese authorities, even though I'm a U.S. citizen now, the U.S. official even. Mm-hmm. So I, I put this out uh, to illustrate that my life, uh, being born in a re-education camp, living uh, in communist China, uh, witnessing the fall of the Soviet Union, uh, and seeing our uh, boring uh, countries uh, with the historical linguistic uh, ties to the Uyghur people, establishing an uh, independent state. And then after 9-11, the Chinese using the, uh, using the global war on uh, terror to scare away potential supporters uh, for the Uyghur cause, mm-hmm. and also delegitimize the Uyghurs' um, and noble fight for freedom. And then fast forward, now we live in a different era. Uh, in the last five, six years, um, the, uh, the Chinese uh, Superman Xi Jinping, under the Superman Xi Jinping's direction, uh, the Xinjiang Authority, that's the official name for the region that the Uyghurs call East Turkestan, started a, uh, a, a new type of uh, modern uh, version of the genocidal campaign. Um, people call it 
cultural uh, cultural revolution on steroids, steroids. Uh, uh, former Secretary of State Pompeo called it staying up the century. Uh, and then there are a lot of uh, uh, accurate portrayals being uh, shared in public. Most importantly, this is a, a this regime, uh, much like uh, Putin's Russia, uh, have benefited uh, has benefited from the Western government's appeasement, yep. uh, kowtowing, if, if, yep. if you will. Uh, and when the Uyghurs cry out loud for attention, like uh, the Tibetans in communist China controlled China, uh, communist China controlled Tibet region, and now the Hong Kongers, and who knows what happened, what will happen to the Taiwanese people. So the international community treated it as a, just uh, an issue that they can ignore or push to the side. So whenever the human rights and religious freedom uh, issues are ignored, it will become it eventually become a, uh, either humanitarian catastrophe or genocidal actions as we've been seeing. So um, uh, I was born in, uh, in a, uh, a city called Kashgar uh, in a re-education camp, uh, spent my early childhood years in my place of birth, uh, and then went to inland China. Here in, By the uh, way, Mr. Turkel, was that in Xinjiang province or was that elsewhere? Yeah, it's called Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous. Xinjiang, okay. Uh, I'm, I've, uh, okay, Xinjiang, thank you. Yeah. The, 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 uh, the short version of Xinjiang region. Okay. Uh, that's where I was born. And then I went to uh, inland China to receive my college education. From there, I came to the United States. Uh, so I have been living, uh, working in the intersection of business and law, uh, human rights. Um, I've done um, uh, human rights work more than 20 years, uh, advocating uh, Uyghur people to enjoy or regain their uh, dignity, uh, get their dignity back from the communist regime. Well, thank um, you for doing it. No, th- in, uh, thank you, thank you. And now I'm, I'm involved in a more formal um, uh, uh, work uh, representing uh, the uh, Uyghur, excuse me, the uh, U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. And also, I work on uh, foreign policy, national security, China, U.S. economic security issues, global justice, human rights, religious freedom, uh, through my engagement, uh, my employment at Hudson. I know Hudson Institute well. I know John Walters well. I've known a lot of Hudson scholars, great people. In fact, I think the first time I woke up to, this was many years ago, how bad China was, uh, it was from someone who had an affiliation with uh, Hudson. He's one of the most well-traveled people I know. You may or may not know him. He does mostly education work. His name was Checker Finn. And he told me of all his travels, this would have been about 20 years ago, of all his travels, he had never seen anything so repressive as when he went to Tibet. I'm guessing it's worse in Xinjiang. As bad as Tibet is, I'm betting Xinjiang is worse. Uh, that that is an accurate uh, portrayal. Uh, a couple of reasons for that. One, uh, because of the uh, charismatic uh, leader that the Tibetan people has, uh, His Holiness the Dalai Lama, the the Europeans and Americans uh, in general, uh, some of feel um, attached to this uh, uh, Tibetan cause. Yes, uh, and uh, it was it was quite popular uh, for. Its uh, for a number of years, yep. uh, there was a strong grassroots movement uh, was uh, built, built and supported by some Hollywood celebrities 
uh, even made movies uh, like Seven Years in Tibet by Brad Pitt. So and Richard Gere was, was a big spokesman for it. Yeah, there was a Hollywood glamour to it for a little while. It seems to have gone quiet. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Richard Gere still serves on the board of uh, advisors at the International Campaign for Good. Tibet, and Good. he's still uh, very involved. Good. The Uyghurs have none of it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not kind of a romantic uh, cause that the Western uh, uh, societies, uh, uh, people in the free world, attach to. So the Uyghurs came from pretty much from top down, uh, initially being reached in American conscience after the 9-11 uh, terrorist attacks. There was a lot, a lot of discussion about um, uh, some of the Western government's um, agreement to believe that the Chinese uh, and, and the West are fighting the same fight. That had been reversed, um, but the damage was already done. So, um, and also the Uyghurs being Muslim did not help much. Um, so the the um, the image, the impression that uh, created in the various uh, corners of uh, the Western societies, including our own, uh, did not have much regard for uh, Muslim people, and in the Chinese economic influence, the uh, disinformation, disinformation campaign, and also uh, getting some governments to support, and most ironically, Muslim government support yep. of the Chinese uh, effort. Uh, made it difficult for the Uyghurs. But uh, to Uyghurs' benefit, because of the uh, uh, because of the significance of the Uyghur uh, issues in the broader EU-China, U.S.-China relations, uh, namely in the economic security areas, uh, the Uyghur issue had been elevated. Mm-hmm. Uh, that had become part of the uh, serious policy discussion. Sure. sure. Uh, the United States Congress legislated two pieces of important legislation, uh, bills. Uh, the first one was enacted by President Trump. The second one was enacted by President Biden. So the Uyghurs today, uh, those, uh, uh, those of us who have been uh, admiring, uh, have been admiring the Tibetan, uh, the attention that the Tibetans got, now uh, feel very gratified that it's not only attention, but it has been turned into a real policy responses. Good. Hold that thought right there, uh, if I can. Let me ask you to hold that thought. i got to take a quick commercial break. We're talking to Nuri Turkel, senior fellow at the Hudson Institute, author of a book uh, coming out uh, in just a couple of months, No Escape, The True Story of China's Genocide and uh, Genocide of the Uyghurs. And um, and I want to talk to him about uh, a little bit more about why is it uh, the American left is so uh, animated to virtue signal on behalf of Ukrainians and against Russia uh, when they are so damned silent for the sake of profit, I think, but so damned silent for the far worse genocide, actually genocide, that is taking place in Xinjiang province against the Uyghurs and what these proposals from the Biden administration would mean when he wants us to import solar panels. I'm Seth Leibson. He's Nuri Turkel. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Delighted to have Nuri Turkel with us. He's a senior fellow at the Hudson Institute, author of a book that will be published in just a couple of months, No Escape, The True Story of China's Genocide um, of the Uyghurs. Nuri himself comes from the Uyghur uh, population, an American citizen now. Uh, Nuri, before I get to uh, the situation before our very eyes unfolding in Europe and America's response to it and the angle with China on that, just 
something I want to run by you as a thought. <clears throat> you say there aren't that many, by the way, who are you know willing to stand up uh, for the, the 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 Uyghurs' plight and the genocide against them by the Communist Party of China, uh, the way people had for Tibet, the way people did for Darfur, by the way, for about two years. Um, I know I'm no I'm no movie star and I have a face for radio, but anything you want me to do, I'm on your side, brother. If I can help, let me know. I have been screaming about what's going on in China for years. If I can help you, I'm here for you, sir. I want you to know that. Um, Thank you so much. You betcha. A story I bring up from time to time, I did it in my monologue to remind people, um, I think one of the great lies of the 20th century is the phrase never again, after which became popular, of course, after the Holocaust, because we have watched it happen again and again, and we are watching it in real time right now in Xinjiang province, the place of your birth. Released uh, documents, uh, files, I'll just, you know, in the New York Times a year ago, I'll never get out of my mind. The students booked their tickets home at the end of the semester, hoping for a relaxing break after exams and reunions with family in China's far west. Guess what? The parents were gone. The homes were gone and detention camps were built. I mean, this this sounds an awful lot like the worst kind of stuff we read that was taking place in Europe from 19, uh, say, 33 to 1945. Am I overstating it, sir? No, not at all. Um, so so the, 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 uh, the piece that you were referencing uh, was um, a part of the leaked document, yep. uh, a massive amount of... Uh, uh, leaked documents published through the New York Times in November 2019. Uh, it reminds you uh, uh, the uh, the playbook or the the content, the regrettable history that you read in the history book, yep. uh, Never Again, for example. Yep. That promise rings shallow today because yep. of the uh, uh, tepid and meandering uh, responses that we have uh, seen uh, a, 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 since the Uyghur genocide came to our attention. Yes, sir. Uh, when you, there, there's a number of, you know, there, I, I, I am profoundly grateful for my own government, and I've had a played uh, a small role in reaching where we are today. But at the same time, I am uh, very disappointed, dumbfounded by those vociferous voices in our society, particularly from the uh, sports world, the Hollywood, and to the degree uh, from the academia have not been really forceful. Uh, and make, to make the matter worse, the American businesses, the Western uh, businesses, have been complicit in the ongoing genocide, fueling the ongoing genocide through their business ventures in China. This will I make was, you somewhat gratified. I know it doesn't mean a lot to everyone or a lot to maybe anyone, but I think it means something. Uh, my producer, my radio producer here, has taken... Uh, the Nike logos off all of his clothing that has Nike logos, and he and neither of us will go to an NBA game or watch the NBA anymore. We're disgusted That's with amazing. what they've done. That is amazing. Thank you so much for doing that. You bet. So that you know that when we when we take that kind of action, even if they, even a few people, a group of people, uh, the investors will notice. Uh, this past uh, month, in February. We've seen a significant drop, nearly 50% drop in NBC's uh, viewership of the uh, the Winter Olympics Good. because of the consumer activism. Good. So I, I, I think the Uyghur, uh, Uyghur genocide could have been stopped. Um, and uh, if, if we had the type of response that we've seen today with respect to uh, 
uh, Putin's aggression yep. in uh, Ukraine. Yep. Uh, when you look at the list of companies uh, that either fully pull out or partially suspended, pull out business practices, including McDonald's, Nike, yep. Coca-Cola, yep. Airbnb, Apple, you are bet. the same type of companies that are fueling the Chinese economy. Sir, if I might, economy. it's worse than you say, if I might. From what I understand, they, those companies have actively spent millions and millions of dollars lobbying Congress to allow the slave labor to continue. Absolutely. Okay. They've got even the U.S. Chamber of Commerce uh, publicly opposed this bill. There you go. Actually, this bill protects America's economic interests more so than, uh, practically speaking, the Uyghur people's economic interests in China. Because this particular bill that the business community opposed will address some of the lingering issues in the U.S.-China trade relations, particularly since China joined the WTO. So I urge the business community, uh, the uh, Hollywood uh, celebrities, the athletes, to get onto the right side of the history. History will be kind to those who do, who do uh, conscionable things. I, I hope you're right, it, because it looks awfully dark right now. I hope you're right. A short period uh, on this interview left, sir, and I'd love to reserve time. I'd love it to be a down payment and have you back for an hour or more. I would love to have you for longer. But say a quick word. There was a story uh, I read in the Epic Times today uh, about a new report uh, that uh, you are involved with, uh, that Laura Murphy, Murphy helped with, the Chinese-dominated supply chain for solar panels that Joe Biden is pushing. This would further end wealth in the tyranny of China, wouldn't it? Yes, absolutely. Two things will happen if you don't stop it. You know, the uh, the, the, activist, the environmental activist has been uh, beating the drum and forcing even the Biden administration to look the other way on in the face of the ongoing genocide because we, we needed the Chinese solar panel. One, it is, it's a short-sighted and disastrous proposition. United States does not use self, uh, slave labor. And two, the United States does not use dirty coal to make uh, solar panels. In both ends, it's a bad news for us. We cannot compete with a country that uses forced labor. And we also cannot engage in the type of dirty uh, production uh, process as the Chinese do. So environmental activists need to learn, uh, le- learn a little bit more about how these things are done in China. And two, on the battery. Some of the environmental activists uh, uh, promoting the idea that we should keep buying batteries from China. This will make us long-term reliant on the communist China. We already learned the lesson, I hope, during the pandemic, that we even rely on uh, China on things like PPE, the mask, yep. protective, uh, and also the uh, uh, ventilators. So I think that it's, it's incumbent upon uh, the policymakers, uh, consumers, to wake up to this brutality. One. We, we, would, we need to say no to this kind of slave-produced product coming to our shores. And two, we would say no to those solar panels made by fellow human beings, enslaved human beings, uh, for the purpose of preserving uh, energy, uh, protecting the planet. We, can, uh, we are capable of fighting both genocide and ecocide at the same time. You bet so we are. Policymakers, policymakers and uh, the environmental activists need to stop giving American people false choice. We need to protect the environment as well as sticking to our values. I agree with you on every jot and tittle and word you just uttered, Mr. Turkel. Again, I hope this will be a down payment and you will come back frequently. I think I might be talking to the Elie Wiesel of Xinjiang 
and uh, Godspeed to you, folks. His uh, book coming out uh, shortly. Uh, his his book will be coming out shortly, and we will have him back again often. Nuri Tekel, Senior Fellow at the Hudson Institute. Thank you, sir, and Godspeed. Anything I can do, let me know. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're you, so kind. Thank you bet you. you. Godspeed. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, coming to you live from the Guns Etc. Studios. That's one great voice. Let me bring you another one, a little more local, uh, and that is our good friend, my good friend, John Gabriel. He is the editor-in-chief at Ricochet. He is a contributor to the Arizona Republic and the host of the King of Stuff podcast and the Nightcap. You can follow him on Twitter, at xjohn, E-X-J-O-N. John, uh, how you been, brother? Good to have you back. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks so much. Everything is going fantastic, um, if I forget about the gas prices. I know, and I want to talk to you about that. You have a great new column up at the Arizona Republic. Just a slight note, you're in the broadcasting business. I'm in the broadcasting business. You must get the question from time to time, uh, how do you you know, figure out what you're going to talk about? How do you come up with ideas and things to talk about? It just ain't that hard these days, is it, John? It's just not that hard. Boy, I know. Everywhere you look, it's like, oh, boy, this is... <laughs> This is bad, too. Yeah, this is bad, too. Bill Buckley used to was asked how he could do three columns a week, you know, what he said. Do you remember what his answer was? He said, I just read the New York Times every day and find three things that piss me off. I I shouldn't use that language, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, your new piece in the Arizona Republic, Biden can take a bow for rising gas prices. He did that. Um, Talk to me, brother. What are you saying here? Well, um, I, uh, like most of your listeners, uh, a few days ago, uh, about two days before I wrote the article, I pull up to the gas station. I see one of those Biden, I did that stickers on the pump yep. going to the price. Yep. And I poured $60 into my not too large <laughs> midsize sedan. Yep. And, uh, and then I turn on the news and I hear, well, no, that's Vladimir Putin. Fault. And before that, it was greedy oil companies' fault. And before that, it was uh, COVID ending, even though it didn't end yet. That was like a year ago. Yep. Um, yeah, and it was just like, you know, Biden did this. It's his fault. There are other mitigating circumstances, of course, but it started shooting up because oil futures started shooting up right when he entered office and decided to. Um, I don't know, hopefully power cars on uh, unicorn dreams or something like that uh, by canceling Keystone Pipeline, um, issuing new leases, uh, slowing down fracking, and all the other things. He wanted to make sure we are no longer energy independent, and this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like. And, yeah, the price to blame it on, on the crisis with Russia seems to me odd. The other thing that seems to me odd is how long it took uh, for him to stop the importation of uh, oil and energy gas from Russia. I know it wasn't very much to us, but it was a lot to Putin. And 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 that was kind of the point on that. But it doesn't seem some wit said it. It might have been you. Someone said on Twitter the other day that it's not that the Democrats and the Biden administration are against the use of oil and fossil fuels. You look at what they're doing with Venezuela. You look at what they're trying to do with Saudi Arabia, maybe what they're even trying to do back back of the book with Iran. It's not that they're against oil and gas. It's they're against American oil and gas. you think that's a fair statement? It's absolutely correct. 
And uh, if you look at what uh, Biden did, um, despite it not being as much um, as a percentage-wise as Germany buys from Russia, uh, we were getting, uh, they say, about 10% of our oil from Vladimir Putin. Yep. So we funded uh, that war machine that we see in practice now. And uh, so he decided, well, I guess we shouldn't do that anymore. Uh, why don't we fund the war machines of uh, Venezuela to oppress their own people, of Iran? Um the left, boy, they sure hate uh, Saudi Arabia. Maybe go to them. Um, yeah, we could just be drilling it here. Everybody knows that. Um, it's not a difficult thing to do. Uh, we are, uh, we've been blessed by being an energy powerhouse with all the various forms of energy we can, we can have. And Joe Biden has decided we should be weak in this um, area, in the area of energy, as we are in so many other areas where he wants to keep us weak. Let me pick up on the why. This was a short segment. You've hosted this show before. You know how it works. Uh, we have a longer segment coming up. Can I explore with you a little bit more deeply what, why, why, this, why he would want to do this, why, why Democrats would want to do this, and, and also this element, hard to put your finger on, of going hat in hand to these dictatorships to help bail us out when we have everything we need right here. There's something very self-abnegating and diminishing about As we head to break uh, with John Gabriel, who will be right back with us, let me put in a word for our friends at Balance of Nature. Balanceofnature.com is their website, their fruits and veggies. I take them every day. It is so easy. It has kept me well for about the three years that I have been taking them. Their maintain, protect, and repair blend on their fruits and veggies, a blend of 15 vegetables and 16 fruits. That's all that's in there. That's all it is. There is nothing else. There's no additives. It is third-party inspected. Balanceofnature.com for the best and most healthy you can be. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Balanceofnature.com, fruits and veggies, discount code BALANCE. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. John Gabriel is our uh, guest. He's an editor in chi- the editor-in-chief at Ricochet, a contributor to the Arizona Republic. We're talking about his uh, most recent piece there. Biden can take a bow for rising gas prices. He did that. John, I, I can appreciate a desire to try and, what, lighten, uh, make more green our energy use. I can appreciate the desire. I can appreciate the desire. But it is something that is not going to happen anytime in the near future. And it is increasingly odd to me that when we have the resources right here, which would not only create our own energy without endowing dictatorships like Venezuela, Venezuela, Saudi Arabia, Iran, or until yesterday, Putin, um, it's, it's, is it an idea fix that they want to play a game by telling us, well, we're not doing it, uh, we're not ex- we're not we're not we're not extrapolating our own sources. We're not we're not using our own uh, natural resources and gr- and greenhouse emissions. Um, is it is it is it an ideological game we're trying to play? Is it a shell game? Because there is something awfully diminishing about having to go to these tin pot dictators for for the bailout while it takes the next hundred years to get us onto solar, wind, and water. Yeah, um, it's very frustrating. I think different uh, forces on the left have different positions. Some, well, many, more and more, unfortunately, they just hate America. Yeah. They hate themselves. Yeah. They hate uh, Western culture writ large and uh, just want to tear it down every uh, every time we can. We can kind of see this energy impulse in miniature uh, looking at California versus our great state of Arizona, Um 
insisting and spending just untold amounts of money um, on solar panels, on these vast solar fields, which ignite birds in midair, on these huge uh, windmill farms. And uh, you'll see uh, their governor brag about uh, how brilliant and green that they are. And then they keep upping the energy that they import from good old Arizona, from the nuclear power plant uh, west of Phoenix. And they keep doing this. They think, well, if somebody else does that, that'll be fine. I, I think that's the cynical thing. But I remember being a child and learning in school about, first off, we were about to enter a new ice age. It was global cooling, not global warming. Um, and the other thing was this great hope on the uh, future. You know, pollution is bad and energy is bad, but eventually we're going to be able to use this natural gas stuff. Um, the environmentalists aren't pushing that anymore because now it works. Yep. We've gotten there. We can power... Uh, capitalism and democracy using natural gas, so now it's bad. So now that's the enemy, yeah. yeah. Right, and I think they just despise capitalism, and uh, any new energy source is uh, going to promote capitalism, and they're just against it. they would rather we live in mud huts or something like that. I have, I have no other conclusion to draw but that one. I mean, we grew up where, in, in, in a period in college, and, and maybe this was exposed a little bit with the Trump campaign of 2016, where it was supposed to be out of date or, or, or infradig uh, to speak of American exceptionalism. You know, that was that was that was just too too jingoistic. Right. It's an odd thing, though, that not only were we, you know, embarrassed to or supposed to be embarrassed to speak on behalf of Western culture being greater than any other. So what the left has done, it seems to me, is to make us as bad as everyone else. It's one thing to silence us and no longer talk of American exceptionalism, but now they want us to be immiserated. It seems like it. It sure does. And, um, you know, for a while, especially, gosh, we've seen all the ructions within our society over the past few years. Um, I, I'm starting to believe that the left truly believes in American exceptionalism, but that we're exceptionally evil. Yeah. Um, the 1619 Project and so forth, yeah. it's just, just absolutely... It's like the sulky teenager slamming the bedroom door because um, you just don't get me, Dad. I'm too cool. I hate you. I hate my parents. And it's like the society-wide version of that petulant teenager. People are so used to kind of uh, the basic civil rights that we've grown accustomed to, and uh, so they just kind of spit on it. They think that's the natural order of things. Uh, They think being able to pull up, um, turn on a light, or um, drive to the store, they just think that's natural. It all happens magically. Um, these people would be the least able to survive this hellscape that they seem bent on leading us into. Uh, people ask me, they ask you, what do I know? <laughs> How long this is going to last? And, and, and I kind of think, I want to say, not that long, just as masks, ma- mask mandates have been lifted, generally, unless you fly in an airplane, mask mandates have been lifted. Maybe not that long because Democrats know how to count to November. Do you think that that, that might loom large? They don't want this going into the election, right, do they? Right, right. And, and that's the really bizarre thing, especially um, looking at Democrats in uh, red states or even purple states. Uh, they're hitting the panic button, yeah. and they have been for a while. We've seen it with uh, Senators uh, Manchin and Cinema, but also Texas Democrats are basically crawling on their knees to the White House, begging them to drill for more oil, 
because they see they do not have a future in politics if this keeps up much longer. Um, maybe the news eventually will get to Washington, D.C., but, boy, there's a, those are some pretty uh, thick skulls and smooth brains out there in the Beltway. Sure are, sure are, making all our lives just a little bit harder. Well, thanks for writing the column that you did, John, and, by the way, thanks for being uh, such a great guest and, and uh, guest host uh, when we call on you from time to time. It's, 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 it's great to catch up. I just hate it that it's always over bad news, but thus, our, thus is our business, I guess, huh? Exactly. Great to chat with you. Anytime. Thank you, John. Godspeed to you, and uh, we'll be in touch again soon. Folks, if you want to check out his piece, it's over at the Arizona Republic. But you can also follow him on Twitter, at XJohn. It's not only smart, it's funny. This is, uh, this is uh, a great guy. You know, we're blessed in Arizona to have a few, few conservatives that have a beyond an Arizona reputation, and he is, he is one of them. I'm Seth Leibson. We will be right back. A lot of historic. Thank you, uh, Bill. Thank you for uh, staying with us, too, folks. Uh, closing thought here. A lot of um, historians uh, pinpoint the beginning of the Cold War. I mean, it had already begun by Russia's actions, the Soviets' actions, Stalin's actions. But many of them pinpoint it in a kind of backhanded way to Winston Churchill's 1946 speech at Westminster, what's known as the Iron Curtain speech. Uh, once upon a time, it was known as the Sinews of Peace speech, so heavily descriptive of America's role in the world. And then, you know, what we were just learning about, which was Russia's role in the world, um, I, I thought it was worth rereading it. It's a fantastic speech. Um, and let me just give you a talk about, you know, why these guys are great for the ages. One part of it, the United States stands at this time at the pinnacle of world power. It is a solemn moment for the Amer for American democracy. For the primacy and power is also joined an awe-inspiring accountability to the future. If you look around you, you must feel not only the sense of duty done, but also you must feel anxiety, lest you fall below the level of achievement. Opportunity is here now, clear and shining for our country. To reject it or ignore it or fritter it away will bring upon us all the long reproaches of the aftertime. It is necessary that the constancy of mind, persistency of purpose, and the grand simplicity of decision shall guide and rule the conduct of the English-speaking peoples in peace as they did in war. We must, and I believe we shall, prove ourselves equal to this severe requirement. Severe requirement, folks. Let us not fall below the level of achievement, which first begins with the understanding of who we are, what we have done, and what we can do for the future. Don't fritter away, as he said, lest we suffer the long reproaches of the aftertime. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. Thank you all. Class dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.